and just what a treasure Christ is. And the parents and the adults are just showing that. And the kids are like, whoa. I've seen them excited that football's on today. I've never seen them excited about this. It's good for the kids to see that during worship that the adults are like, man, this is a treasure in my life, and I'm going to praise and worship him right now. Kids need to see it. I don't think they need to see an emotional show all the time, you know, but from time to time, the Lord just cries. And this adult says, I see you worshiping. I would think that you'd want your kids to see others just worshiping the Lord. So it's good. It's good. So, about, so drinking living water. That's the title of the message. And um, we're making our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Last week we talked about spiritual gifts, spiritual giftings. And really last week was just an overview. Not everything in detail. We're going to get more in detail as the weeks go on. Um, we're going to talk about baptism in the Spirit. We're going to talk about um, kind of not maybe all the gifts. We'll classify them into groups. And then we'll kind of highlight them and talk about them a little bit. And uh, some details and nuances within the gifts we're going to talk about. This morning, what we're going to do is follow up just a little bit in addition to last week and how the Spirit moves. Now, as we're talking about the Word this morning, and as we're talking about the Spirit, and as we've prayed for so, like, He's here, you know, He's moving, I'm praying that He will continue, and like it has been throughout the week, that He'll move in waves. So if you just find yourself... Just praying during the message, not listening to a word, that's a good thing. You should do that. If you find yourself just burning with something inside and you need to write it down or something, just write it down. Don't listen to a thing that's going on. If you find yourself just weeping and crying, just do that. All of it's legal and all of it is legit. The Spirit will just come and just move. And so just allow that. Be expecting that. Don't create it, but just allow it. Just allow it. Um, because as we prayed and asked him for it, like he, he, does, he responds. He responds. He might even put people in your minds and your hearts that you forgot about for a long time and like something needs to be done there. Don't fight that. Spend time just in communication with the Holy Spirit about that right now. Kind of miss a lot of this. It's totally worth it. Alrighty, spiritual giftings. So, um, I find it very interesting, like we talked about last week, that God would not only give the Christ Father, the believer, eternal life, salvation in heaven forever. So say, listen, I will give you salvation forever. You will be saved. You will not have to pay the penalty for your sins. You couldn't pay to begin with. You are in so much debt. The account was so high. The credit card bill is so maxed out. You don't have a prayer and you've been making minimum payments and even covering anything. He says, I will cover it in full. And that's glorious. And not only that, he says, I will also empower you to live out my will on earth. Which brings up an interesting question. And some of you might think it, well, doesn't his will be done anyways? God. Not always, not all the time. No. No. His word is very clear in several places 
where he says, it's my will that everyone would come to know me. That every heart would give themselves over to me. Well, every heart doesn't. It doesn't. There's a significant part of his plan where it involves our partnership. Where it involves us saying, okay, you're my father, you're my sister. What is my assignment? What are you calling me to do? Where are the plans that you have and how do you want to work through me to see the fulfillment of those plans come to fruition? That's much of the way God works. There is also absolutely the times where God just does what he does when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, because he is God. He can just do that. He'll just knock Paul off a horse. He won't really have much of a discussion. And he's going to say, hey, listen, I'm calling you to do this now, and you will do it. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes they'll show up in a burning bush and say, listen, here's the deal. I don't want to. I'm not good. I don't care. You're doing it. Sometimes that's the case. Other times it's the case where he's looking for us to get in line with what he wants to do. He wanted to bring them into the promised land. Two weeks away. They're like, eh, it's scary. They're big. I don't want to take it over. We're not really ready yet. I don't know. All the reasons, all the procrastination, all the stuff that we find, all the reasons that we find for why we shouldn't do something they were experts on, like many times we are. He says, okay, then we're going to wander around the desert for 40 years. That's what we're going to do. Imagine if they fell into partnership early on. It'd be a totally different story. And they would have saved themselves a whole generation of people right there. Could have been a whole other generation involved that could have known God in an even more, greater, supernatural way than what they already knew Him as. It's amazing. So what he does through the Holy Spirit is not only does he offer salvation and to cover our debt forever, he also says, I'm giving you my spirit and with that spirit is the ability to have my way and my will be fulfilled on this earth. And with that spirit's coming gifts. Everybody say gifts. Gifts. Spiritual gifts. It's like, like we talked about last week. I mean, Santa Claus really, I mean, it's just craziness compared to what the spirit brings the kind of gifts that he brings. And those gifts, boy, do they keep on giving. Boy, are they supernatural. And boy, do they only point to an amazing God who's able to do incredible things. So you've been entrusted in you, the Christ follower, the Christ follower, whoever doesn't follow Jesus Christ and whoever doesn't have Jesus Christ as their Savior and it's like, nah, I'd really not follow, I don't really know. Eh, No, they're not equipped with these gifts. They're not equipped with these gifts. How do we know? We know because in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that whoever has received Jesus Christ has also received His Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing for what is to come. So if you're a Christ follower, that means you have been equipped and you've been invested in a deposit of the Holy Spirit resides within you. And God is constantly looking to make withdrawals on that out of your life. He's saying, oh, I want to draw out that prophetic gift that they have. I want to draw out that gifts of service that they have. I want to draw out 
the transforming love that has saved them. I want to draw out the ability for them to pray over people. I want to draw those things out. I want to take them. I want them to be able to see it so they can better know me and understand me. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the whole point of spiritual gifts like we talked about last week, last week we said, and we took it right from 1 Corinthians, it's for the common good, to build up his church and to reinforce his people. Say, build up his church and reinforce his people. That's the point of spiritual gifts. So to have Christ followers that just kind of just sit on it, it hurts the whole body as a whole because we need each other. He's built us to be in community. We definitely need to go through learning who He is, understanding what He says about us. But then we're going to be able to be in a place to where it's like, okay, I'm understanding more who I am, who God has made me, what He says about me, the promises over my life. Now I can like really just like let him flow out. You can't really let him do that unless you know who you are. So as a big part of what we talked about last week was identity crisis. Say identity crisis. Yeah, if we're in identity crisis and we're not quite sure who we are, it's what an identity crisis is. You don't really know who you are. And I was just talking to somebody the other day. You know, they'd been in church for a long time, grew up in the church. They're close to my age, so they're very young and doing great. They're just now. It's like I had, I had, no, I had no idea who I was. I, I just was kind of what I was good at and where I fit in, kind of what my friends told me or my parents told me to be at a particular moment, and that's kind of who I was. And that's pretty normal for most of us. And God's not saying that none of that matters, none of that helps shape us. It helps to shape us. But who you are at the end of the day, you are the product of a designer who specifically chose to design you a specific way. It's absolutely ludicrous to think that the most creative being of all time created someone without a purpose without a strategic plan in place for them to live out, to be successful, to live in joy, and to live in peace. Is that not crazy? He would definitely do that. I hope that greatly stirs your heart and encourages your heart, and I hope that what goes off inside of you is it's not too late. There's not too much lost. It's not a waste. Fight that. Some of you need to say it out loud. That's just what it is. Some of you need to say that out loud. I don't know if you need to say it here. Maybe you do. And if you do, then go ahead. That's a talking over I'd gladly respond to. That's great. Then you say it out loud. And you declare it. Say declare. You declare the promises over your life. Some people are saying, too much time is lost. I've done too many things. I'm just a wreck as I am right now. You stand on the promise. At some point, you've got to stand on a promise. It's got to start somewhere. And that's not all. Maybe negating, possibly, it might all be true what you're saying. It might be true. You might have screwed up royally a lot of things. 
I'm not sure how that affects God's character and God's power at all. We've got to stand in courage and we've got to stand in faith. People who are not in identity crisis understand that. People who are in identity crisis, I'm not quite sure. I don't know. I, I, uh... Do everything that you can within your power to learn what God says about you. Surround yourself with those voices as often as you can. Have those verses posted within your house. Make sure you got a friend that texts you at least once a day. Whatever you need to do, you make it happen. Because there's a whole other strategy in place. Strategy in place to tell me who I am. There's a strategy in place to tell Jared who he is. And there might even be some like threads of truth of what God says, but it's so distorted, it's like so far off. And I need to know the difference. Otherwise, I'm going to just go nuts. <laughs> and then at some point, I'm be like, man, this Christian stuff is so much work. Like, I don't even, what is it? <sighs> you know? Just turn on TV and just zone out. And I just, I don't want to deal with it. Some of us, that's like a pretty regular part of a Christian life. Ah, no good. It's no good. There's no life there. Nothing. So we got to know who we are. We have to know who you are. So if I were to just go to you, which I won't to you right now, I'd never put you on the spot and do that to you. But if I say, hey, who are you? What did God have in mind when he created you? Some people may be like, well, that's a great question. (laughs) When we walk with the Lord for a little bit, he gives us a little bit of what he had in mind. I'm learning more and more, like, so God created, what did he have in mind when he created Jared? I'd probably respond the same way. That's a pretty good question. I don't know. I don't have the whole deal in place. But a couple things I do know. I do know that he created me to not be a slave of what I'm good at and what I'm bad at. I can easily become a slave to that. I can easily pour myself into things that I just come natural and that I like. It's a trap in my life I have to be very careful of. I think there's much enjoyment and pleasure in the things that I like to do and what God's given me the ability to do. But for me... I can too easily tie my peace and my satisfaction and my comfort level to those things that I like, that I'm good at, that people generally accept me for. That's a trap. And I know my father didn't just create me for those things. I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, he has created me and put me on this earth so he can just use me indispensably as he sees fit at whatever purpose he wants to do. Sometimes I'm going to like it. Probably a fair amount of times I won't fully embrace it. That's the truth. Every time, every time, he will bring peace. He will bring bring a greater revelation of himself. And he'll bring me 
as a person to places I've never seen or experienced before. Places I would certainly never go and venture into if he wasn't at the center of my life. I would never be talking to you right now. Never. I used to, I would cry in class. Got a couple of young guys back there. A little bit younger than them. I would cry in class when I had to get called on to share my journal. I don't want people looking at me. I don't want people thinking about me. I want to be off in the corner by myself doing my thing. That's where I feel comfortable. And after church today, I probably will. I'll go home. <laughs> and I'll lock myself away somewhere. Not too much. I can't. I got kids, you know. This. Yeah, it's over. It's just ridiculous that I've learned to understand and thank the Lord only by His grace, not because I'm some amazing person, only by His grace I've embraced the, okay, Lord, I I guess we'll try this thing where I, I will in some way publicly share who you are and teach about it. That's craziness. You have to understand in my life, that's craziness. It's not something I would just normally default to or even be interested in. I would totally run the other way. At the same time, he's used other things in my life that I like great. I love sports. sports. Man, God in sports, you know, for a long time they were, now God is, you know. But for a long time, it was like jockeying for position not really a great thing to admit to, but it's really the truth. So, he's also been able to use sports and athletics in my life as an amazing platform to just share his truth and hope and love. It's been awesome. So sometimes he uses the stuff we like, and that feels natural. Other times, he calls us in a totally radical direction. And I'm saying we're in identity crisis if we're not willing and ready and expecting to be pulled any way at any time. Are you with me? Okay. Now we have to actually talk about the sermon. I'm just kidding. We're just going to talk about a couple of things. So that was either for one person or a few people because that was nothing at all that I had really talked about or prayed about with the Lord at all during the week. Not a thing. So if that connects with your heart in any way, shape, or form, even maybe just a little, little ping, respond to it and ask God about it and explore it. Like I said, that had nothing to do with anything that I have here. So you need to know that. So explore that, dig into that, and see what's going on. I don't care how old or how young or what background or whatever it is. God has a will. He has an agenda. He's looking to move powerfully on this earth and have his way. There is a powerful force in the enemy and in the devil. And there's a real battle happening. It's not like the Christians just show up and, hey, it's a done deal. I'm a Christian and I'm here. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. Praying, submitted, 
closely aligned to his heart Christians, those are the ones that move and those are the ones the enemy, he can't shake. He might poke and prod and throw some things at. But at the end of the day, he won't be victorious. So we've got to stand firm. It's fight the good fight of faith. Not say the sinner's prayer, be a Christian, show up to your thing, and you're good. It's fight the good fight of faith. And sometimes it feels like a fight. Which is strange because Jesus even said, if you're weary or heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and it's light. He did say that. And then it says, fight the good fight of, fight, fight of faith and strap on your armor. What are we doing? Are we resting in a hammock and joyfully singing? Or are we putting on heavy, uncomfortable armor and sweating? It's both. It's both. All right, check it out. Verse 12. And, and let me just say one more thing before we read it. I promise you're going to read it. The issue with this, you're going to like, well, it's time to go now. It's pretty close. The thing with spiritual gifts, okay? The thing with spiritual gifts is that they come into uh, full release, they release. They come into full release and um, they come into natural flow. Say natural flow. So full release and natural flow. When we are walking in the Spirit and we are close to the source. That's the thing with spiritual gifts. They're not really things that we strive for and we get for and it's like, I, I think I have this and I think I have that and so I'll do this. and I'll. Not so much. They are really released and they're really flowing very naturally in a very comfortable way when we are filled by the Spirit. So this issue of spiritual gifts, you can't get real far until we talk about a spiritual life. One that withdraws from the right place. That's truly connected to the source. So verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So the idea is we have church here, small c, but there's a big church, capital C, throughout the globe that the Spirit is setting up. It's moving, it's empowering. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given the one Spirit to drink. That's weird. That's a strange thing to say right there. I thought when I read it. So he has this whole body, this whole church, everything, capital C. And he's like, it's not, and they're all joined together to, to work together and um, communicate well and collaborate effectively. Or, he says, no, like they all come together and they drink from the same drink. They drink from the same cup. That just seems like strange language to me. This drinking issue. But, 
I firmly believe that this drinking issue is paramount and critical to anything that happens in the big church, capital C, or local church, lowercase c. It's got to start with the source. Because then the gifts will flow out. Then each person will play their part. And it will be healthy. It will be contributing. It will be community. It will be working together. It's not like this, like, we've so, like so many of us know in the workplace, 80% doing all the work and 20% kind of hanging out, just sort of like taking off the other 80. That's not the way church is supposed to function. Just so if you drink it from the same cup, having the gifts being brought out that the Spirit's already doing, and then working together in a healthy way, helping hold each other up, complimenting each other. Not in competition, but in complementation. Probably not a word, but you get what I'm saying. So this whole drinking thing just kind of... So that's why the title, Drinking Living Water, it depends on the source. I want to show you this passage in Jeremiah 2. And this is honestly the last, uh, you know, really thought. And then we're going to close up. Jeremiah chapter 2. So if you go left in your Bible, your finger might already be on there because you looked at the bulletin and you tried to get yourself ready. So you don't have to flip later. Or maybe you didn't. Jeremiah chapter 2. And then also, if you could, just keep your finger on John chapter 8. They go together. John chapter 8. use my tithe envelope as a bookmark. All right. So Jeremiah chapter 2. Check it out. Uh, We're going to be verse 13. So it says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. They have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So Jeremiah is saying this to a group of people that were God's chosen people. They were given, you know, the Red Sea, the burning bush, Moses, Abraham. I mean, just a rich history of God doing manna. Just a rich history of God doing things in powerful ways. And that's the short list. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But what they chose to do is when they got, this is interesting, when they got to the place they always dreamed and hoped for, when they got everything they ever wanted, where did God go? Bye-bye. God went by. Everything they want, they prayed for, they wanted. They wanted to be their own nation. They wanted to be themselves. They wanted to be in a land that only God would establish. Cried out to Him for 400 years in Israel while they were slaves. And God says, okay, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to set you free. And he does the Red Sea thing and the Egyptian, the plagues. What? What an amazing time to be alive at that point in time to see that, right? It's amazing. So then they get everything that their heart has cried out. And God just took a back seat. How, how sad is that? 
I hope at least it sobers you and sobers me a little bit to like, man, when, I re- when I'm really crying out and wanting some things, I hope I'm praying for desires that I have. I hope also a big part of my prayers is, Lord, put me in position to where I can handle it. Lord, put me in position. Do the work inside of me so I can handle what I desire to have you bring about. Do the work in me so that way I can handle what I so badly want. Because sometimes the truth is we can't handle the abundance of blessing that God can give us. We just like start getting super comfortable and enjoying it and it's like, oh, and yeah, I'll get to you after, God, you know. And Michelle's raising her hand. That's the truth, right? That's the truth. We ask for it and then once we get it, we, I got it now, God. You got me to the promised land. Now we can set it up. We got it. It's all set. And like we could do that very easily. And what God is saying here is said, listen, here's what you've done. You've dug your own cisterns. You know what a cistern is? A cistern is like a hole in the ground, basically. You've, they dug it, right? So it's like a holding container. What they did is they... They had streams of living water, just abundance. Think of like the most amazing waterfall you've ever seen, Niagara Falls or whatever. And what they did is they said, you know what? The metaphor is very accurate. They said, you know what? That's, pretty, that's amazing. That's pretty cool. I'm going to just dig a hole right here and we're going to live out of this. Because <laughs> I'm in charge of this little hole that I made. That over there, I don't know. I'm not in charge of it. I don't understand all that. I'm going to dig my own thing and do my own thing my own way. It's interesting, right? And it definitely speaks to much of our hearts. I, I don't know if I want to trust you and like, God, what you say about sex and what you say about money, what you say about forgiveness and compassion and taking risk. I, I'm going to dig my own cistern. I'm going to like kind of incorporate some of that when I feel ready and we'll just kind of go that way. I'm going to dig my own cistern. And Jeremiah's telling us, like, man, this is like what we've been doing. This is bad news. Bad news. And 1 Corinthians are saying, man, drink. Drink from this living water. Drink from it. Go to John. It's John 4. I think I said John 7 or 8 or something before. What did I say before? Did I say John 4 before? Oh, I said 8. Yeah, see? Good job, Jared. John 4, check it out. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The water I give him. And it goes on to say later in the book of John that the Holy Spirit is going to be given as this water of eternal life that just springs up within a believer. 
So you have this everlasting, ever-flowing source, this living water that's available. And then you have a group of people that want to dig their own cisterns. And then Paul says, hey, listen, the church that functions healthy and does well, they're all drinking from the same cup. They're all drawn from the same source. And then it goes a little bit further to say, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5 says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to bad stuff. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The imagery, when we're talking about the Spirit working and moving and having its way, it's an imagery of drinking and endlessly drinking. Where thirst is forever quenched, it never runs out, it's inexhaustible. That's supposed to be like a picture of our life too as Christians. Oh man, I can definitely take what today is going to bring. Like I have, man, I'm just drawn on the source. We're good. I don't know what's going to bring. I don't know what's going to happen. It might stress me out a little bit. I might even get upset. But I know who's in control. I know it's not going to totally wreck my emotions. Because I've drawn from the living water, from the source. He's going to help set me in alignment. And better yet, he didn't just do it to make me survive. He's going to do it so I can work powerfully among those I'm around. That's what living water does. And the church should be drinking from that cup. So the church comes together. We just, oh, Holy Spirit, come. We cry out for you. We want you here. You're a sp- yeah, we can't exhaust you. You choose to just release yourself among those people you can entrust yourself to. And so we're saying, we're here, we want you to. And the Spirit just responds to that, and He just pours out. He pours out. So if your cups are feeling a little bit low, or you're thirsty in whatever reason, we know where to go. He didn't make it difficult. If you can't summarize your Christian walk and relationship with God as, it's just like an eternal spring of living water. I just always, man. So my relationship with God is like, it's just an everlasting spring of living water. I just always seem to have a word of encouragement. God seems to pick me up. My emotions and my circumstances don't call the shots in my life. He supplies me what I need when I need it. Sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it's barely. But nonetheless, I'm secure. Right? If those things can't be said about our Christian walk for the most part on most days, man, we got some serious time with the Lord we need to spend. Just some serious crying out to Him. Where we say, Holy Spirit, come and move. Holy Spirit, come and move. We're going to close in prayer right now. And um, we are just going to be quiet for a couple of minutes. And just for ask for the Holy Spirit just to come and move and to fill us up. This week, I don't know what's coming up this week. I don't know what's coming up later today. And you don't either. 
You might get hijacked on your way home. Something just frustrates you. You blow a gasket, start swearing, do whatever. Things happen. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've felt like I've left. Just, man, the Lord just moving out of church service. And then I just explode on one of the kids when I get home. Just, you know, where is that coming from? I know where it's coming from. <clears throat> Father, uh, we just move. That you'd fill us up. Holy Spirit, come and fill those that are thirsty. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just fill up, that you'd fall upon and that you would just flow through. I pray, Father, that you would truly imprint it on our minds and on our hearts, that we can only truly function and just be impactful for your kingdom when we are just drawing from your strength and drawing from your source. Only you can turn droplets of water into just living springs that are forever eternal and inexhaustible. Only you can make us so forgiving and compassionate the way you talk about. Only you can put love in the proper places. Only you can put anger in the proper places. Only you can put joy and fulfillment and just laughter. Just put everything in the right place so it doesn't get distorted and just strange. Pray, Holy Spirit, for just a release, Lord, for just people that don't quite know who they are, what you say about them. I pray that they would wrestle with you to have a better understanding of that. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that this week, that we as a church family, we would go out And we'd have a new awareness that we'd have eyes have been opened to what you want to do through us with people we come in contact with. You want to love this world and speak to this world, love our families, speak to our families through us. And I pray that we would be willing vessels, Lord. So Spirit, we, we just pray that you would fill us up to an abundance so we wouldn't want to be filled on anything else. Fill us up to an abundance. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Did you want to share something real quick? Yeah.